A U.S. defense industry delegation is in Taiwan for talks with local manufacturers. Led by a former U.S. Marine Corps commander, the group includes representatives of Lockheed Martin, Northrop Grumman, and 23 other defense contractors. Vice Premier Zeng Wenchan emphatically denies rumors that the visit is about selling arms to Taiwan. He says that the group is here to explore partnerships with Taiwanese suppliers. On its second day in Taiwan, a U.S. defense industry delegation visited the Institute for National Defense and Security Research for talks on strengthening unmanned capabilities and ammunition logistics. We could collaborate mostly on precision munitions, missile parts, and small and medium-sized drones. For small and medium-sized drones, it's looking like collaborations are likely in large-scale production and contract manufacturing. In a statement, the institute said the two sides discussed the state of security in the Indo-Pacific and the impact of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Amid high cross-strait tensions, the delegation's arrival drew considerable attention. Some reports claim the delegation was in Taiwan to sell weapons. They didn't come to Taiwan to sell arms. They came to find suppliers to work with. Experts say the U.S.-China trade war has prompted global tech supply chains to reconfigure, especially in the ICT industry. The defense industry is working to shift away from Chinese suppliers for their core components and systems. As a result, Taiwan has emerged as a sought-after partner. This was particularly the case after 2018, when the Trump administration published a report on defense industry security and proposed eliminating the red supply chain. Taiwan manufacturers have had a very good opportunity to step into that gap. The delegation is led by former U.S. Marine Corps Pacific Force Commander Stephen Rudder. It includes people from major weapons manufacturers, including Lockheed Martin, Raytheon, Northrop Grumman, and Aerovironment. AIT officials accompany the delegation on their itinerary. After arriving on Monday, the delegation visited rocket manufacturer TieSpace. On Tuesday, they went to the Institute for National Defense and Security Research. On Wednesday, they will attend a defense industry forum and visit the National Zhongshan Institute of Science and Technology. The day after, they'll visit AI security company SciCraft Technology and meet local drone manufacturers. They are the largest U.S. defense industry delegation to visit Taiwan since 2019. Experts say the visit will deepen Taiwan-U.S. security cooperation through in-person exchanges. China's new ambassador to Japan has come out of the gates with strong words. In his first press conference, Ambassador Wu Jianghao warned Japan not to interfere with China over Taiwan. If Japan ties itself to a secessionist chariot, he said, then the people of Japan will be led into a quote-unquote pit of fire. Let's hear from him. To say that a problem for Taiwan is a problem for Japan is absurd and dangerous. Linking a matter that's purely China's internal affairs with Japan's security is illogical and harmful. If Japan is tied to a secessionist chariot, the Japanese people will be led into the pit of fire. Wu Jianghao's recent remarks are worse than those of Lu Shaye. He is blatantly threatening the people of Japan. A problem for Taiwan is a problem for Japan has become a consensus among Japanese political circles. 
China is now sending wolves all over the world to serve as diplomats. These wolves set fires and speak the language of wolves, not people. Wu assumed his post as China's ambassador to Japan in March. He previously served as China's assistant foreign minister. Taiwan's foreign ministry has pushed back against Wu's assertion, asking China to cease remarks and actions that escalate regional tensions. The Formosan Association for Public Affairs celebrated its 40th anniversary on Monday in a star-studded event attended by Taiwan's president and vice president. Also in attendance was visiting dignitary John Bolton, a former U.S. national security advisor. In a speech, Bolton slammed China for its provocations and urged the U.S. to grant diplomatic recognition to Taiwan. United Microelectronics Corporation founder Robert Tsao created a buzz saying that embracing the Republic of China was like wearing a dead person's burial clothing. The Formosan Association for Public Affairs held its 40th anniversary banquet on Monday with President Tsai Ing-wen, Vice President Lai Qingde, and former U.S. National Security Advisor John Bolton in attendance. UMC founder Robert Tsao gave a surprising speech. I have never been pro-unification. I have always been pro-independence. The ROC is dead in mainland China, so isn't holding on to the symbols of the ROC kind of like wearing a burial garment? They don't let us take off our grave clothes. Why? It's because they want to trick Taiwan into accepting one country, two systems. There's only one country that aims to change the status quo in the region, and that's China. Military to military cooperation needs to be cooperation between our intelligence agencies. Bolton underscored China's threat in the region. He also called for cooperation between Taiwan and the U.S., adding that Washington should establish official ties with Taipei. President Tsai reiterated the importance of peace and stability across the Taiwan Strait. Through its military drills, China is intentionally escalating tensions, which pose a threat to the peace and stability of the Indo-Pacific region. We respond in a calm and collective manner and remain committed to maintaining peace in the Taiwan Strait. That has allowed Taiwan's democratic partners to see Taiwan's resolve. We are all members of Team Taiwan. Peace is priceless. In war, there are no winners. Taiwan can be a key force in the Indo-Pacific region. It's only by preparing for war that we can prevent war and maintain peace. With Tsai touting Team Taiwan and spirited cheering from the crowd, the banquet felt like a campaign rally for Lai, the DPP's presidential candidate. Officials stressed the need to strengthen Taiwan-U.S. ties to counter China's growing threat. And now on to election news. Primary registration is underway at Taiwan's People's Party. The party is expected to nominate its chairman, Ke Wenzhe, who sent his spokeswoman to collect the registration form on Tuesday. The next steps will be to submit the form along with an endorsement by 35 party representatives. Then he'll need to register at the party headquarters in person by May 8th before announcing his intent to run on May 20th. Ke has just returned from a trip to the U.S. He's likely to visit Japan ahead of his presidential bid. Many people work hard at day jobs to support their passion. When that passion is a niche sport, even more dedication is required. Elon-based boxer Liu Yiren has to work long hours to support his training. The Muay Thai champion recently won third place at the International Muay Thai Open in Turkey. 
His coach, Yang Zhiru, is busy getting him ready for the next round despite the sport being still in its infancy in Taiwan. He pulls out a right hook and then a kick. Muay Thai boxer Liu Yiren represented Taiwan at the International Open in Turkey last year and brought home the bronze medal. But the athlete relies on truck driving for his day job. Liu has been training intensively since his student days when he first came across mixed martial arts. In those days, it wasn't yet popular in Taiwan and there wasn't a single Muay Thai club in the country. Liu had to carry the flame alone. In junior high, I got bullied because I'm quite short. After that, I got into sports to make myself stronger and stronger. But four years ago, Liu was introduced by a friend to his coach. He could start to reach for his dream of fighting by driving a truck in the day and training at night. Then I realized I really like the atmosphere here and the way all the guys get along. I told him, because you're short, you need to bring down your weight. So he was 67 kilograms at first and from there, he was down to 51 kilograms. Coach Yang Zhiru is a Taekwondo fighter who also came across Muay Thai by accident. He quit his job in the catering industry and sold his house in order to open this boxing gym in his hometown. In the early days when I was practicing Taekwondo, I wanted to open a Taekwondo gym after my military service, but I didn't get the chance back then. I hope I can take my coach and my brothers from the gym next time I compete internationally to see the world stage. Liu and Yang are working hard to pursue their shared dream. They want to bring more visibility to the sport of Muay Thai and share their passion with more people. Turning now to an update on the Terminal 3 construction project at Taoyuan's International Airport. After hitting repeated delays, the terminal is now due for completion in 2026. Starlux Airlines chairman Zhang Guowei has slammed the project's progress, comparing it unfavorably to Singapore's Changi Airport. He also took issue with how the terminal would be used, saying that China Airlines would be allowed to monopolize airport resources. Taiwan's vice premier responded to the charge on Tuesday. Labor and material shortages have postponed completion of Terminal 3 at Taoyuan's International Airport. Vice Premier Zheng Wenchan and Transport Minister Wang Guocai headed to Taoyuan on Tuesday to inspect the progress. The visit came just after Starlux Airlines Chairman Zhang Guowei sharply criticized the terminal project. On Starlux's maiden flight to Los Angeles, Zhang said that Taiwan's tourism industry was lagging compared to Singapore's, noting that Changi Airport already had five terminals. He accused China Airlines Union of hogging airport resources by demanding one terminal for each airline alliance. The one terminal for each alliance concept doesn't work in Taiwan. At Heathrow Airport, the three alliances, Star Alliance, SkyTeam and OneWorld, haven't even presence. The traffic flow is very distributed. Taiwan doesn't have that. There's no one world presence in Taiwan. So if you're telling me that each alliance should get one terminal, you must be joking. Let's take SkyTeam. That's the alliance China Airlines is member of. They just take over Terminal 3. But do they have that many members here? It's unreasonable. They just want to hoard airport resources. In response, the China Airlines Union said it had never demanded exclusive use of Terminal 3. On Tuesday, Taiwan's vice premier stepped into the fray. 
The operations of Terminal 3 won't be allocated based on airline alliances. It will be based on flight paths. Each airline will be treated fairly and reasonably. The Transport Ministry and the Civil Aeronautics Administration will collect opinions from every airline before making a decision. Terminal 3 is set for completion in 2026, boosting passenger capacity to 82 million a year. Costco's berry scandal heated up on Tuesday, with DPP lawmakers blasting the FDA for negligence in a press conference. The FDA responded that Taiwan had not imported the frozen strawberries targeted by the U.S. recall in March. I want to make it clear that the frozen strawberries mentioned in the U.S.'s international alert, those were frozen strawberries, and strawberries from that lot were not imported to Taiwan. However, we haven't stopped our investigation, because international alerts aren't always the most timely. In a new statement, Costco also said that Taiwan had not imported the problematic batch of strawberries, but a lawmaker accused Costco of having insufficient safety standards, as it's not subject to the same scrutiny as domestically listed food companies. A large chain store like this from the U.S. At present, it's only required to implement its own food safety program. It's not like our domestic food manufacturers, which are held to strict lab inspection standards. The Legislative Yuan will continue working with the Executive Yuan to strengthen food safety regulations. Su Jiabin, a physician from the Centers of Disease Control, said that hepatitis A had an incubation period of 30 to 50 days. Consumers who fear viral exposure should get vaccinated, he said. We won't rule out a class action lawsuit if it comes to that. Theoretically speaking, if vaccination is necessary, then the business responsible should cover the costs and provide compensation. Last month, the FDA announced that it had found the hepatitis A virus in one batch of Costco's frozen berry blend. Some 17,000 kilograms of the affected batch had already been sold. Consumers should monitor their health for 60 days after exposure and get medical care if they experience fever, fatigue, abdominal discomfort or jaundice. In the second half of this year, the FDA plans to allow imports of Canadian beef from cattle over 30 months old. The Consumers Foundation opposes the decision citing cases of mad cow disease in Canadian cattle between 2015 and 2021. It's even threatened to launch a boycott. In an interview on Tuesday, an FDA official said that all foods carry risk, but that Canadian beef carries the lowest level of risk. When it comes to beef products, government agencies absolutely conduct risk assessments prior to import. Everyone can go check the website of the World Health Organization, of the World Health Organization for Animal Health. Currently, the risk of Canadian beef is assessed at the lowest level, which is called negligible risk. That is the international assessment of Canadian beef. Secondly, they had applied to import beef from all cattle ages. We handled their application in accordance to the law, and we initiated a dietary risk assessment for Taiwan's public. Through that assessment, we also found that the risk was acceptable. The official said that both international and domestic assessments have found Canadian beef to be very low risk. Currently, the proposal to allow Canadian beef imports is still in its 30-day public comment period. The FDA will review input from the public before making a final decision. Every year, more than 300 children are born with craniofacial conditions in Taiwan. 
The Nordoff Cranial Facial Foundation in Taiwan supports people with such problems by providing training and scholarships. To raise awareness about the condition, the foundation is holding a picnic party on June 4th. Besides great food and company, there'll be fun games and stage performances. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang has the details. The ambassadors of the Nordhoff Cranial Facial Foundation, actors Cherry Xia and Zhang Jie, stand on the stage with Apple, an 18-year-old with a congenital ear deformity called microtia. Together, they stick a pair of eyes, a ear, and a mouth onto a cartoon face to kick off the press conference. Xia and Chang encourage the general public to bring their little ones to the event, saying it will be a good opportunity to foster respect for people with visible craniofacial conditions. When children see them, they get curious. They mean no harm. As parents, we should start by telling our children that they are not different from us. We are all the same, so we shouldn't target them like that. It's a value we should all instill from a young age. If you have children at home, I welcome you all to come to this fantastic event. You will learn a lot from it, and there will be plenty of things to eat and to play with. It will be great. According to a survey by the Nordhoff Cranial Facial Foundation, more than 80% of parents of children with congenital craniofacial anomalies worry that their children will be upset by differential treatment from others. In addition, nearly 50% of parents say their children with congenital craniofacial anomalies have faced some form of discrimination. When they see her, they might ask why she looks like that. They might even make offensive comments about her body, for example, saying that she is missing an ear. To raise awareness about craniofacial conditions, the foundation will hold a picnic at Taipei's Dajin Meitie Riverside Park starting at 11 a.m. on June 4th. There will be a magic show, a food market, and a theater performance by a children's troupe. We've come up with fun activities and even adapted picture books into a stage play that will be performed that same day. We hope that after the event, children will learn to respect people who look different from them. Every year, more than 300 children are born with craniofacial conditions in Taiwan. The Nordhoff Craniofacial Foundation in Taiwan provides assistance to people with craniofacial conditions with training courses, rehabilitation programs, as well as scholarships. The foundation hopes the picnic event will encourage people to learn more about the condition and respect people with the condition. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Huang Tihao in Taipei. And now we have a touching story of friendship across religious boundaries. Many of the Puyuma tribe in Taidong belong to the Catholic Church. And music is a very important spiritual tradition, but lots of churches are short on resources and even the guitar can be hard to come by. When a member of a Buddhist organization was visiting a Taidong village on vacation, he met a local church musician, and once they got to chatting, the idea to help out a friend in need was planted. Young members of the local Puyuma tribe start up a cheerful song. Lots of the older members of the tribe who live here near the Taiyuan Catholic Church have turned out to sing along.
With the rhythm of cajon and the melody of the guitar, the choir is popping with life. When I was little, happiness was having a guitar. A very simple pleasure. It's a way for everyone to join their emotions together. Finally, we have our own guitar in cajon, which means we have more than just voices in the church. We're so grateful to our friends. The local musicians are grateful to have received the guitar and drum as a gift. Many rural church choirs go without instruments or just have a very battered old guitar. When the Secretary General of the Chinese Buddhist Temple Association, Ling Rongzhi, took a vacation in the area, he ran across local Puyuma musician and hostel manager Jiang Yongqian. Through chatting to him, Lin realized the local church could do with some support. He went home and fundraised to give the brand new guitar and drum to his new friend. We should integrate our resources and not duplicate things. Then we can all share. We should do anything that will benefit other people without concern for which religion they follow. We worship with our songs and the guitar and cajon. It's a way to share the joy of God's grace within the tribe. Music doesn't know any religious boundaries and nor does generosity.